Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, the podcast where I show my wife Dragon Ball Z, she shows me Gilmore Girls, and we both try to find some kind of common ground. I'm Grant. I'm Paige. And this week we watched episode 90 of Dragon Ball Z Kai, and season 4, episode 15 of Gilmore Girls. So, Paige, what happened this week on Dragon Ball Z Kai? Well, this week Goku finally unveiled his grand plan for fighting Cell. If you remember, Goku and Cell have been going toe-to-toe, and Goku released a ton of his energy on Cell, and it seems to get Cell winded, but also Goku released a ton of his energy. He doesn't have it anymore, so he's weak. The rest of the Z fighters suggest maybe, like, Cell's like, oh, well, you should try a Senzu bean, and Z fighters are like, yeah, no, if we throw him a Senzu bean, then we can all pound on Cell, everything will be fine. Uh... And Vegeta pops in with, no, it would hurt Goku Saiyan Pride. And uh, yada yada Saiyan Pride. He's not even fighting for Earth anymore. It's for the Saiyan Pride, which might be some projection Vegeta. But really, Goku admits, I can't beat him. I'm tapping out. And he seems completely unconcerned. Like, he, Goku, who has always been the strongest, can't beat Cell and is completely fine with it. The rest of the uh, non-Z fighters are ready to tap in Mr. Satan, but Mr. Satan does not want to be tapped in. He keeps soccering all over the place and pretending he has a stomachache. But Goku reveals that who he's been waiting on all along has been Gohan. Gohan, the reason Gohan thinks that Goku's been holding back this whole time is because Gohan has grown so strong in the hyperbolic time chamber that even though he's 11... At this point, he is... Well, well, he's... He's chronologically 11. He's biologically 12. Okay, I'm sorry. He is 12. Because we, well, let's do some Dragon Ball math, okay. all right? Yeah, no, he's like five when the show He was starts. five at the beginning. They specifically said he was five at the beginning of the show. And then it took a year for the Saiyans to arrive. So he was six during the fight with Vegeta. Uh-huh. And for most of Namek. Yep. Because that all seemed to happen pretty close together. So for most of the rest of the Namek saga, he was six. Then at the very end of the Namek saga, they took about a year, not quite, but we'll call it a year, to use up all the Dragon Ball wishes and try to wish Goku back and everything. Yep. And so he was then seven at that point. And then it took another year on top of that for Goku to come back to Earth. So then he was eight when Trunks and Frieza fought. Yeah. And then it was three years waiting for the androids to arrive. So he's 11 when the androids arrive. And then he spent a year in the hyperbolic time chamber. So he is 12. So he is 12. But he is still not a teenager, despite the fact that in all the video games and stuff, they call him Teen Gohan in this form. Sure. Um, and he is crazy impressive. Um, even just in his beginning squaring offs, it's clear that the reason he was not impressed by the fight before was because he's gotten so much stronger, even though he didn't realize it. And that's, that's kind of what happened. Cell is still faster than he is. When he goes up to his full speed, he is, like, gut-punching Gohan into the ground. But once again, Goku does not seem concerned by any of this. Well, you missed an important thing. After he tags Gohan in, what does Goku do next? Oh, yeah. What the heck? <laughs> uh, in a move that's even more frustrating than Vegeta letting Cell eat the androids just to see how powerful he gets... Goku's like, no, you're not, you're not going to have a hard enough fight against my son. 
I'm gonna give you a few more shots against my son, Cell. Here, you have this senzu bean. He gives Cell. He gives Cell. He says, hey, Krillin, I could use a senzu bean. And Krillin gives it to him like, oh, Goku's like gonna eat. Like a chump. Eat. Well, Krillin's like, oh, Goku wants to eat a senzu bean so he's not in pain now that he's forfeited. And then Goku takes a senzu bean and throws it to Cell. So Gohan is now fighting Cell at full power. They're both, they both are topped off at the beginning of this fight. You know, I'm reading this really stupid, trashy novel right now about two people who work together and hate each other so much, and it's really just because underneath it all, they want the smush. Uh-huh. I don't know what made me think of that. You don't know what made you think of that? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's basically what happened this week on, on Dragon Ball Z Kai. Yeah, what happened on Gilmore Girls? Because it was shopping week. It was shopping week on Gilmore Girls. So those of you who were with us last week may recall that uh, Rory and Lorelai have just been having trouble finding time to spend time with each other. And they've been reduced to the point where they're emailing back and forth. And email is their primary form of communication. And so there's a point where Lorelai goes to Friday dinner and Emily's like, oh, well, dinner was burned, so we need to go to a restaurant. We need to go chop chop because the only reservation I could get is in five minutes. And Lorelai's like, what about Rory? And Oh, Rory's sick, didn't you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when Lorelai realizes she doesn't even know when her kid is sick. Probably the first time she's ever not known when her kid is sick. And this really upsets her. Uh, but we also see that Emily and Richard are having some issues. They're also having communication issues. They are also having communication issues. Richard makes kind of a snide remark that's obviously just him poking fun at Emily, but she obviously doesn't appreciate it and he's not picking up on that, where he makes jokes about her shopping and and things like that. (laughs) Because Emily be shopping. Emily be shopping. And like, he's obviously having fun with her, but she clearly is not amused and he doesn't pick up on that. And then they argue... Like, at dinner, they argue about which Beatles are dead and which ones aren't. Which, it it was the perfect encapsulation of, like, an old people argument. Of, like, oh, yeah, they decided, they they agreed that John and Keith are dead, but Paul and Bingo are still kicking. Which is just perfect of old people arguing about things they don't understand. Although, you'd think the Beatles would be in their... Well, especially since Richard, we know, is a big fan of Chuck Berry. Yeah, like, you'd think they would know the Beatles. They're the right age where they would know the Beatles, but I guess not. Um, But that was fun. So there's obviously this issue, and Emily is getting on Richard's case about shaving that horrible mustache. Because it is horrible. It is awful. And he's like, Emily, I want to see what it looks like when it's fully grown. So that's a thing. So Lorelai eventually calls Rory and is like, hey, can, can, can we just, like, play hooky tomorrow and hang out? Because we haven't. And Rory's like, you know what? Yeah, I just have a newspaper thing I can skip. Let's let's just, let's play hooky. It'll be fine. And she's like, cool. So they meet at the inn the next day where Rory meets up with Dean and they talk a little bit. And it's like, oh, hey, sorry about putting all that on you last time. Because if you'll recall, she kind of had a meltdown in front of him last episode. And he's like, no, it's cool, whatever. That's what friends are for. And then we see Lindsay, who is Dean's wife, if you've forgotten, and her mother show up with, like, a tablecloth and a whole picnic lunch. Yeah, with a basket. With a basket and everything. And Lorelai informs Rory that this happens basically every day. They show up and bring him lunch during the day. And they also bring food for the rest of the crew. Yeah. Um, which is sweet, but 
a little strange. Yeah. And there's definitely like a, a nod here to the fact that Lindsay is still learning how to cook. She's a very bad cook at this she point. She is a very bad cook, but she's learning. And yeah, we do know from way back in the first season that Dean was very into the idea of having like a classic domestic housewife. And he now has Lindsay's mom. Exactly. It's not weird at all. Um... Yeah, so that was a little weird. It reminded me of uh, a friend of ours who worked at a Walgreens for a little bit, and his mom came by to visit, and she insisted that she'd just hang out with him at work and maybe help him stock shelves and things. Or uh, yeah, maybe in a more or like Gilmore example, my aunt, who still brought cookies for my cousin's entire basketball team in college. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, more on that in a minute. So... They go, and they go out window shopping. Because that's what they want to do, is they go out window shopping. And they quickly realize, when they're at the mall, that window shopping is terrible. Because it's just looking at things and not getting to actually buy anything. And it's boring and awful. Especially because they're doing literal window shopping. They're not even trying things on. Yeah, they're not even trying things on. They're just looking in the windows. And so they're like, oh, this is bad. Well, okay, this was a bad idea. Let's... Let's figure something else out to do. But on their way out of the mall, they run into Emily. And, like, they try to hide, but Emily sees them. And Emily is very aggressive. Of like, Not unfriendly. Not unfriendly, but, uh, but assertive of, like, Oh, Lorelai, Rory, come with me. Let's go. Come on. Pick up the pace. And so they just get whisked up in Emily's current. And Emily Gilmore shops like a pro. She struts into the department store and there's somebody there who already knows her by name and is like, we have these new antique things in and we have like these apples, these like glass apples. It's like, I'll take them. Like, uh, oh, you, you have Richard's sizes on file. Get him three different suits in this style and a variety of colors and get him uh, ties and shoes to match and they should feel like butter. Yes, Miss Gilmore. And she's just strutting through the store, asking for things, and they're being put on her card. It was, I have to say, it was, I think, the only time in this episode where I've wished I could be Emily Gilmore. Because I would love to just walk into a store and be like, yeah, give me those things, wrap them up for me. That'd be awesome. Um, that'd, that'd just be dope. You not have to go suit shopping to just say, I want. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I have to go suit shopping and try things on and all that, just, just be like... You have my measurements. Get me this. I'm going to this kind of like I'm I'm going to a wedding. It's going to be summer in the outdoors uh, in a forest. Give me something that'll match. Yes, sir. And they bring me a perfectly fitted suit. That would be dope. Uh, unfortunately, we'll never have that kind of money. Or if we do, we will choose not to spend it that way. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> this is all happening and it's really happening. And Lorelai and Rory don't quite know how to handle it. And so after a little, like, it becomes very clearly apparent as it goes on that Emily is, like, using shopping as therapy. She's buying Lorelai and Rory things they don't want. Like, buying Lorelai a, a watch with diamonds in it and, like, insisting on buying Rory a bunch of different hats and scarves and things when and Rory doesn't wear hats and scarves and things. They allude to, like, Emily buying a Vera Wang wedding dress, which is a, that is a name that even I recognize mm-hmm. big. Wedding dress. For Lorelai. Just, even though, doesn't even have a boyfriend. Nope. She just Um, might need this someday. She just might need this someday. Well, okay. Doesn't even have a boyfriend, according to Emily. We'd all like to pretend she doesn't have a boyfriend right now. Um, and so, 
if quickly Emily has a little bit of a meltdown in the middle of the department store about how Richard needs to shave that mustache. And Richard says, this is all I do and this is all that I have. And so sure, why not? I'll just shop because apparently all I do is shop. And, you know, maybe I want to hang out with Moby because apparently he met Moby at a restaurant. He saw Moby at he a restaurant. He saw Moby at a restaurant. And she just starts, she just has a meltdown. It's a horrible meltdown in the middle of the department store. And so Lorelai's like, okay, I need to help my mom. So she takes Emily to the food court. Yes, no, so this is advice I would give anyone in a relationship. And I don't just mean a romantic relationship, but a human being relationship. For if you see someone in a meltdown. Other than last week, uh, Luke giving us an A-plus example of, you know, letting someone blabber. Mm -hmm. The other things you should do is try to determine if they need sleep or food and get that to them as quickly as possible without telling them that's what you're doing. Yeah, so suddenly Emily finds herself in the food court. How long has this been here? And I have to say, I, I always am a sucker for Emily learns how to do normal people things. This is one of my favorite gags. So we get Emily... Like, Lorelai and Roy taking Emily to the wonders of the food court. And so they, you know, like, Emily has orange Julius for the first time. And it's like, oh, this is delightful. Well, one of Richard's friends owns a controlling interest in a couple of these stores. I'll be able to honestly tell him I enjoy his product, which is the most Emily response to liking something. And they actually have a pretty nice heart-to-heart moment where after they eat for a little bit, Emily just says, I was awful, wasn't I? And Lorelai's like, well, it wasn't that bad. And, Lo- and Emily's like, no, if I saw somebody acting the way that I did in a department store, I would have called the police, which is also a very Emily thing. And Lorelai like, has to take a call really quick about an ad for the inn, and she has to like basically get a little tough with somebody. And so Emily says, like, I really admire the way you're able to be so assertive with people like that. And Lorelai's like, I I learned from the best. I learned from you. And Emily says, no, I order servants and cooks around. That's different. And salespeople. And salespeople. That's different than what you do. And Let's just pause and say that Emily views anyone in a service industry as like an expansion of her help because that is who Emily is. Well, and Emily does have the point that These are people who are paid to listen to her. Yeah, asking people, like, telling people what to do when their job is to help you and their job is to do what you ask is different than negotiating with somebody on a business level. It is different, but it is still based on the same skills, Mm -hmm. or at least some of the same skills of being able to be assertive and sometimes aggressive with what you want Mm -hmm. and not not settling for less, which Emily Gilmore does not settle for less. And so Lorelai really has to explain to her mom, like, no, this is something that you are good at. This is a thing that you, it's a skill that you have. Mm-hmm. And Emily gets... Because well, part of Emily's meltdown here is that she doesn't do anything. Yeah, she's like, I don't do anything. I don't have a life. Like, maybe I should get a job so I could have a life of my own. And this is completely ignored. Like, I mean... It's, it's beautiful panic brain. Like, the last two episodes have been so many beautiful profiles in panic brain. Uh-huh. Uh, but that it's completely erasing everything she does for her charities and organizations. Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, do you want to just... <laughs> you can she, edit me out. <laughs> she, so, she... Yeah, so she's like, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't, I don't have a life. 
And Laura was like, "What is bullshit? Like you have a a wonderful house that you've built, and you have a family that cares about you." And yeah, Lorelai conveniently forgets about the DAR, but still, she has a good answer to that. Yeah. And they end up just sort of sitting together and like the three of them just have a nice lunch at the food court in the mall together, which is really nice. Um, and then the episode ends. Well, okay. So Lorelai and Rory later go to Luke's and they start to talk. They're, they're sitting there and like eating pie and going through all their random stuff that they bought or that Emily bought for them. And that they didn't necessarily want. Yeah. And they get to talking and Rory's like, are grandma and grandpa going to be okay? And Laura was like, yeah, they'll be fine. They're a team. They'll figure it out. Don't worry about them. And then we cut to Emily and Richard having dinner and they're like, it's so perfect. It's like filmed from the side of their long table and they're eating on opposite ends of the table. So there's just all this distance between them. It's a perfect shot. And the apples, the glass apples she bought are in the middle of the table. And Richard's like, oh, by the way, um, I'm going to be staying in Manhattan for a night with Jason for some business meeting. Um, I figure I'll just stay there and then take the train in the morning. And like, that, that's okay with you, right? And Emily's like, sure, fine. And then she gestures to the apples and says, oh, what do you think of these? And she goes, oh, yeah, I've always liked those. And it's just, oh, Richard, no. Oh, Richard, no. Even if you even if you don't remember even if you don't remember them. You couch it by saying they're beautiful. Like, even if you don't pick up on the fact they're new, sh- the fact she's pointing them out to you should imply that they're new. It's just, oh, Richard, no. And there is the undercurrent Emily mentions that he's been having dinner with another woman because a couple episodes ago we found out he'd been having dinner every year with Penelope Lott, who was his high school, his uh, college sweetheart. And so that's kind of a, a almost unstated undercurrent to it that she really isn't sure how much she trusts Richard at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's where the episode ends just on that interaction. It's yeah. a really, it's like almost a dark ending to the episode. There's this much of a disconnect between these people who've been married for so long. Well, and they just take all the issues that Emily and Richard have had bubbling under the surface and bring them up to the top and turn it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the main plot of the episode. We had a couple other little things. Um, Lane got an apartment with her bandmates, um, with, with Zach and Brian's the other one's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Zach and Brian. And it's kind of a dump. It doesn't have a refrigerator. And they realized when they moved in that none of them brought things like plates. But all of them brought stereos. All three of them brought their stereos. Um, But we do get a beautiful moment with Lane going to her house to get her stuff out of her old room. And Mrs. Kim is very short with her and cold with her. But she brought her Aunt June and her cousin Christine to help her move. And so Christine goes to help her move. And Christine is the most obnoxious little baby. Well... Before they go in, she's just silent yeah, and cold. She's silent and cold. But, but then as, as soon as, as the, the door is closed. Yeah, she's like, oh my God, you're moving. Are you like, are you getting married? No woman's ever moved out of a, a camera house without getting married. Oh, here's all your stuff. This is really cool. Oh, hey, where's all you like, where do you get all the seeds with the swear words? And I'm thinking about getting into classic rock like Zeppelin. What do you recommend? And she's just like season one lane, but turned up to 11. I'm just being really, really obnoxious and, like, all into the same things, but just super, super annoying about it. Yeah. And Lane's just like, hey, I'm not here to mentor another rock baby. Shut up and help me move. 
just like does not have the time for her own past self's bullshit. So they move in and they realize that they have three stereos, but no forks and it's kind of a dump and they're not sure what to do because they have no money and Lane's kind of panicking and Brian and Zach are arguing over like whether Brian's Futurama action figures are pushing onto Zach's side of the shelf. And Lane's like, there's a whole second shelf here. You can each just have a shelf. And they both go, oh no, that shelf's for, for you, for all your CDs and stuff. And that really touches Lane that they gave her a whole shelf. Well, it's not even just that she has a shelf, but she has a shelf where she can have her CDs out. Yeah, she can just have her stuff. She can just be a person without having to hide it. Yeah, she doesn't need to hide Yeah, who she is. And so she hugs both of them and says this is all going to work out great. So I'm sure we'll get more, more on that. Yeah. in future episodes another really important thing we get is that luke stops into the arc well for starters luke gives lorelei the thirty thousand dollars yep uh he just gives it to her i mean they agree to a loan term but lorelei insists on setting loan terms he would have just given her thirty thousand dollars and yeah it would have just been pay me back when you can yeah uh so lorelei got the money from luke and i'm sure that'll be important later but also later in the episode, Luke stops into apparently Stars Hollow has an arcade. Apparently, uh, stops into the arcade to get change. To get change, yeah, unclear why, but it's all a contrivance. So you can see Dean, and Dean is fucking killing it on a Marvel vs. Capcom cabinet. Have you ever felt closer to Dean than at I this have moment? never felt closer to Dean than that. Dean is fucking destroying a Marvel vs. Capcom cabinet. I assume it is a Marvel vs. Capcom cabinet because a little bit of the side art we see has Mega Man X on it and Blanca from Street Fighter. And I personally can't think of another game that has both of those characters in it. Although I'm not sure if Mega Man X has ever been in a Marvel vs. Capcom game. At least not back then. He was in Infinite. Thank you for the second installment of Grant Talks About Cabinets that do or possibly don't exist. You know, I couldn't find one with the same side art. I was Googling, like, is that Marvel vs. Capcom 1 or 2? And I couldn't find it. I don't think there was just a Capcom vs. game. There were Marvel vs. games before they mashed up with Capcom, but I don't think there was just a Capcom vs. game. So it must have just been one of the old MVC cabinets that I couldn't find quickly in my Googling while watching the episode. Anyway, not important. Apparently Dean has every single high score in all of the arcade machines at the Stars Hollow Arcade, so he spends a lot of time there. And he's possibly inebriated while he's killing it at MVC. And Luke is like, hey, you spend a lot of time here. He's like, yeah, well, you know, after dinner, Lindsay and her mom just tend to like to clean up a little bit. So it's easier if I'm out of the way. And Lindsay's dad does a lot of like work around the house and stuff. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just easier if I do my own thing. And folks, Dean is in full on depression scruff. He is not looking good. And then the real nail in the coffin in this scene is that as he's talking to Luke, he starts to get like kind of distracted of he forgets what he's what he's talking about. And we look over Luke's shoulder and Lorelai and Rory are getting out of the car to go to Luke's. Mm-hmm. And Dean is just distracted because he sees Rory. And Luke kind of sees what's happening here and is like, I'm not touching this. And he's just like, cool, bye, and leaves. And it's not just that, like, Lindsay and her mom are cleaning up. Like, it sounds like Dean and Lindsay are living on their own. But Lindsay's parents keep coming over. Like, 
and it's not just things that maybe he isn't good at yet because he's 18 people, uh, but like, you know, making food, cleaning up, but he's a good, like, he knows how to fix things, but her dad keeps coming over and fixing things. Yeah, but, like, he's obviously pretty handy if he's working on the construction site. Yeah. For the And end. he made a car. Yeah, like, he's handy, but, yeah, Lindsay's dad is muscling in, so he's obviously not in a good place. Also, um, can we just stop for a second and mention that earlier in the episode, they, like, Lindsay's mom talked about babies. Yeah, Lindsay's mom randomly mentions babies. Because these... People aren't old enough yet to be making their own dinner and cleaning up after themselves, but somehow Lindsay's mom thinks it's time for babies. Yeah, I forget exactly what she says, but she makes some reference to Lindsay having a child. And Rory, like, exchanges a glance with Dean of, like, are you having a baby? And Dean goes, no. But they're still talking about babies, even though there's no babies on the horizon. So, no. yeah, um, that's a thing. It's just a whole thing. Yeah. So, I believe that's basically everything that happened on this week's Gilmore Girls. There is one other quick thing to mention. When Kirk lost a dog? No, Kirk found a dog. Uh, no, it's that when Luke is putting out the loan and Lorelai's writing together terms of the loan, she has oh, a Nicole clause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She mentions, like, Nicole should be... If this is shared money, Nicole should be in on it. Yeah, because like, I, mean, I want to know what Nicole thinks so that like next time I see her, it's not weird. I want to be able to thank her. And Luke says, you're not going to see Nicole again. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And that stood out to me too. Like, oh, you're not going to see Nicole again. Yeah, because if there's anything good happening in a relationship, any sort of communication, maybe even if you don't have shared finances, your spouse should know if when you're lending you're somebody $30,000. Lending a girl, like somebody, you know. Like lending a, somebody who you obviously have a thing for $30,000. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So this, that was, there was a lot packed into there one There was episode. a lot packed into one episode. Um, yeah, so that's what happened this week on Gilmore Girls. What did you think of this week's Dragon Ball Z Kai? I did like it. Um. Now that Goku's, Goku's master plan has finally sprung. Now that Goku's master plan has finally sprung, um, I liked that we had some clips of how this is affecting people around the world. Mm -hmm. I especially liked a bit where... Like, as soon as the Gohan ploy is revealed, Chi-Chi starts throwing her TV around and lifting it up and shaking it. It's a big TV, too. This a, is, I mean, this is the 90s. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have flat screens. TVs were big, and this was a big TV, and she just picks up and shaking Attached it around. Attached to a cabinet. Like, it's reminding you that Chi-Chi can fight. Chi-Chi don't fuck around. Like, Chi-Chi's no. buff. No, like... I kind of hope that Goku's master plan is actually to get Gohan beat up so and then Chi-Chi comes in to destroy Cell. Yeah, no, because uh, she is more dangerous than Goku and Gohan combined if she feels like it. Um, I, you know, I did enjoy that. Even though I still think it's incredibly toxic, the amount of pressure they're putting on a child, I. I liked how much warmth and love there was between Goku and Gohan. I loved that scene where Goku gets down on one knee to get on Gohan's level and is like, "Hey, did you see Cell throw anything at you that you couldn't at me that you couldn't handle?" And Gohan's like, "No." Like, did you see me do anything you couldn't do? And Gohan goes, "No, that's because you were holding back, right?" And Goku says, "No, I wasn't." And he wasn't either. Yeah, like neither of us were holding back. You can do this. I, you're right that. In context, it's still, that's a lot of pressure to put on a 12-year-old, but out of context, it's it's really nice. It's really sweet, and as Gohan didn't realize his full potential, he thought they were just holding back, and Goku was like, no, that we weren't holding back, you just don't know how strong you are. Mm -hmm. 
And just like a dad telling his kid, like, you're stronger than you know, it's just like... <laughs> like, it, it was incredibly sweet. And These episodes have had some good, just like, Gohan dad moments. Because I didn't mention it last episode. It was a little thing, but I really, really loved last episode. There was a shot where Goku and Cell are beaten up on each other, and the shockwaves are blowing through and, and you know hitting everybody who's watching and there was a shot of just gohan and piccolo both standing with their backs to the camera and there's a shockwave and both of their capes are flowing in the wind and they're just both stoic and silent watching the fight and i was just like gohan and piccolo well and gohan and piccolo was also kind of nice in this episode in that context of this is a lot to put on a kid and piccolo doesn't quite understand what gohan is capable of because he wasn't in the hyperbolic time chamber but like, it was almost like Chi-Chi and Piccolo were Gohan's parents, and Goku was the fun uncle who's like, yeah, let's let him drive. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. Piccolo was also absolutely appalled by this. It's not just that he was, you know, saying that Gohan couldn't do it, but, like, why would you do this to him? Mm-hmm. Well, and he says, like, look, Gohan, is, like, he acknowledges Gohan is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and so he wasn't he's, downplaying. No, he's like, Gohan is incredibly impressive, he's incredibly powerful, but he's not ready yet. Piccolo is just saying, he's still a child, he's not ready to do this. And Goku has to be the one to be like, no, dude, he's more than ready to do this. Yeah, I really liked that their relationship of respect, like, t- talking about this was nice. And we got, we got like, so much interesting dynamics because, I mean, I'll let you talk about it if you want to, but I think we also got some really interesting material out of Vegeta in this yeah. episode. No, I think Vegeta's just weird in this episode. He's a little weird in this episode. Because he, what he's saying is that he sees something inside Goku that no one else sees. He, because he is the other Saiyan on the field, full Saiyan on the field, because, I mean, obviously that's the thing that matters most, your blood. Sure, totally. Why not? Uh, you just keep telling yourself that, Vegeta. But he thinks he's the only one who can see what Goku's Saiyan pride is and why he's doing this. When really, like, Goku is doing the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vegeta thinks he understands what's happening, but he doesn't at all. And really, it's humility that Goku's displaying for possibly the first time, you know, this kind of humility has been displayed on the show. Because what he's doing is he's making himself an example for his son. Mm -hmm. And he is laying down, like he is making this into a material example for his son of what he's, what Goku isn't capable of and what Gohan is. Yeah. Like he could have just set off the bat, no, Gohan, you fight him, you're stronger than me. But he knew Gohan needed something to really instill confidence. Is he knew Gohan, I mean, since the very beginning, Gohan's issue has been confidence. Yeah. Because he's a child, but like all going all the way back to the fight with Nappa, when Krillin and Piccolo were like, okay, we're gonna go like. He doesn't react well to being thrown in. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, we're gonna do a thing and then we're, we're gonna set it and spike it, and then Gohan, you're gonna finish him off. And Gohan got scared and thought he couldn't do it and ran away. Mm-hmm. And so from the very beginning, c- confidence has been Gohan's biggest blocker. Yeah. So this was a material way to show Gohan and give Gohan that confidence. Well, and it's funny because. Vegeta thinks he's the only person who can see this because he's a Saiyan. And Vegeta could be the only one to see it because he's the only other father out there. Mm -hmm. But Vegeta has opted out of being a father at every single turn. Goku has Saiyan pride. It's just Saiyan pride in his son. Mm -hmm. And Vegeta's blinded himself to that. And it's so sad. Yeah. 
now that you talk, like, it's so sad. It's incredibly sad. Oh, also, uh, just real quick. I love Mr. Satan in this episode. I really I love the soccer punch. I really love Mr. Satan. Because he's like, yes, I will go out there and find him. Oh, my stomach. My stomach. Oh, no. Well, I also like when when Goku's like, all right, I give up. But Cell, there is one person here who can beat you. And Cell's like, what? Vegeta? Trunks? Piccolo? Come on. <laughs> Mr. Satan's like, Mr. Satan? Yeah, Mr. Satan's like, Mr. Satan? I hope not, Mr. Satan. And then Goku's like, no, Gohan. And then the reporters are like, well, he just told somebody to go on. <laughs> yeah, which I have a question about. That was just a fun little pun. Um, well, and it's it's actually really nice how well they set it up. Because they do a good job of that foreshadowing. You know, Goku says, if my pick loses, guaranteed no one can beat you. Like, this last match will settle everything. And Cell says he'd need to be ten times stronger than me. And we've gotten to the point where power levels mean nothing. Like, we're well past a million. We are definitely past 9,000. But still, this is the kind of thing where it's like, this guy won't just be stronger than you. He needs to be way stronger than you. Yeah, he has to be stronger than you've ever dreamed of being. And the kind of strong that makes Vegeta die with envy. Like... This is something we haven't conceived of. And he's like, great. Great. I'll try out the 11-year-old. <laughs> Go on, son. I just thought of something else. Sorry. Go ahead. I think that this is also interesting because it's just sad on a Chi-Chi end, too. Oh, for sure. Because Chi-Chi loves her son. And she is so proud of her son. And in the world of our world, everything she wants for her kid is reasonable and fine, and mm-hmm. she should be angry that her kid's out there. Yeah, she wants him to just, like, go to college and get a good, like, have a good career. But she doesn't get to be proud of him the way that Goku does. No, not really. No. She, not right now, at least. Not right now, at least, because she's worried for her kid, which, in a real-world scenario, understandably so, she's fair. But in this scenario, she doesn't, she has missed out on the fact that her kid is 10 times stronger than anyone else. And this is something that was her world too. And she's blocked herself off from it so completely that she's blocked herself off from her kid. Yeah, but her like her son is a prodigy at something. Because mm-hmm. he's... Because like, okay. Oh, you don't have to explain it. He's 10 times stronger than Goku at 12. At 12. Well, the, well, the, thing, that, the thing that Goku says specifically is that... like he, I think he's talking to Krillin. And he's like, you knew me at that age. And... Gohan's not even half, or I'm, I wasn't even half as strong as Gohan is now. At the beginning of Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. Goku is 12. Yeah. So. Everything the- we've seen is him coming past the point that Gohan's already at. Yeah. Yeah. Goku is 12 years old at the beginning of Dragon Ball when he's just a kid. Like, With whatever. a tail. With a tail. Um,. I mean, he does withstand a gunshot wound the first time he meets Bulma. So he was a pretty tough 12-year-old, but still. And here's Gohan, a Super Saiyan, who's stronger than Goku at that same age. So, really, Goku's understating it when he says that Gohan is, or that he wasn't even half as strong as Gohan. Yeah. Gohan is probably hundreds of times stronger than Goku was at that age. So he is a legitimate prodigy. I hope he doesn't have prodigy, like, you know burn out because of the pressure or anything because of like that where he never lives up to the promise he has when he's 12 oh no gohan is definitely going to continue to be a mover and shaker in the dragon ball world that's why he had so much screen time in broly do you have any other thoughts in this episode i have 
no other thoughts. Uh, what did you think of Gilmore Girls? I really like this episode of Gilmore Girls, too. Yeah. It's, honestly, I think uh, this season has found its footing, I think. Yeah, we finally got a good run. Yeah, and the last couple episodes, we've had good stuff on both sides. Um, but yeah, I really like this episode. It's been, a, it's been a bit since we've really gotten an episode of Lorelai and Emily coming to a place of understanding together. Yeah. And... I really loved that food court scene. Mm -hmm. I really loved Lorelai admitting to Emily, no, part of the, like, a good chunk of the ways that I am strong come from you. And even when they've had their good days, I don't think Lorelai has ever admitted something like that. Yeah. And that was really moving, that she was like, no, I learned from you. And Emily downplaying her own abilities and trying to say, no, Lorelai, you're better than me. Like, that interaction was so different. And new. And new. Even compared to the other times that Lorelai and Emily have been honest with each other emotionally. It was still something different. And it's weird. I feel like even beyond, like, even more so than, like, I retired without telling you, or even I've been meeting with Penelope and Lot, this is the moment when I really felt the distance between Richard and Emily. Yeah. That's been building for a couple seasons now. And I think this is the first time that an episode's honestly made me feel like Emily and Richard might, like their marriage might be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, And they've been hinting at them having some issues for a couple seasons now, but this really sunk it in of like, oh, this isn't just old people having fun bickering. Like their relationship is in trouble right now. And it's interesting because this episode turns everything up, but everything is turned up to 11 and that could go so badly. It could make everyone feel like a puppet, you know, like fake version of themselves. But they do manage to pull it off and make like the actors make the work feel emotionally resonant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really, really liked that. I think it's interesting that so much of last episode was about how Lorelai and Rory are disconnected. Mm-hmm. And this episode was supposed to be about them reconnecting. But really, it was more about Lorelai and Emily reconnecting, and Rory was just kind of there, mm-hmm. which I thought was was interesting. But also, like, there was a nice line where after they have kind of their one-on-one talk, Rory comes back with more, with, like, uh, napkins and stuff. And Emily's like, oh, I was just talking about how impressive your mother is. And Rory just says, yeah, she really is. Mm-hmm. And so, like... Emily kind of bragging about Lorelai to somebody, even if it's just Rory. It was just, I don't know. There was a very, there was a very, like... Well, Emily has always tried to use Rory to replace her relationship with Lorelai. Yeah. And so her relationship with Rory a lot of times has been grabbing Rory from Lorelai and mm-hmm. trying to get Weaponizing more. Rory. And here it's the exact opposite. Yeah. It was just, it was so interesting because it was so different from their usual dynamic, but without feeling out of character. I thought it was so great. I really, really loved it. Well, and it's interesting that this episode was able to juxtapose so much tenderness and healing between Lorelai and Emily Mm -hmm. and so much brokenness and distancing, like just growing apart for Emily and Richard. Yeah. I, I just thought the character work was just handled with an incredibly delicate hand. I thought, it was really something, it was something to behold. This is probably my, I mean, I really liked last episode, but this might be my favorite episode of the season so far. And it would have been so easy to throw tricks in there. 
It would have been. And it wouldn't have worked. No, it wouldn't have. And so I'm super glad that they didn't, that they let that immediate coming together be there. But that didn't really heal anything between Richard and Emily. That was just them being on the same team for a little bit and then breaking back up again. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was really something. Um, I'm interested in the direction this new Dean plot is going. At least it's different from the usual Dean plot. Um, Depression Dean is interesting. Definitely more interesting than Evil Dean. Yeah. Um, and I really want to know more about Lindsay's messed up family. Yeah. And the weirdness going on there. And I f- I'm prepared not to, but I really want to see more of Lane's cousin, Christine. Yeah, you won't. I know think. I won't, but I really want that. I want Lane to mentor a little Kim. I want Lane to mentor a mini Lane who hates who she hates, who she hates, but she sees herself in it, in, in her and needs to help. I really want that, but unfortunately I'm sure we aren't going to get it. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, it's at the risk of sounding like a broken record. I really, really like this episode. Yeah, no, it's we're on a really good hot streak here. I hope it keeps going. Mm -hmm. Um, and what do you know? Uh, the last two episodes have been really, really good and have had minimal Jason. Yeah. Well, I wonder why. Hmm. Um, yeah. So do you have any questions about dragon ball for me? I have a couple and I have one that you can't answer that you kind of alluded to. Okay. Um, there was a pun here where the, the reporter said, oh, he said go on. He's telling someone to go on, and it's Gohan. Uh-huh. What was that in Japanese? That's a great question. I don't know. We could go back and check if you wanted. Eh. Yeah, I'll, we might want to. There, there, maybe there wasn't a joke there, and they decided to localize one in. Which is fair. Um, oh, I did just have in there, uh, is it Goku's master plan to have Chi-Chi murder cell? Um, but also one other question. So we saw some characters who we haven't seen before and I have no context for. Yeah, I wonder about them. So in the beginning of this episode, we see some old people, like just an older couple who see Goku and say, oh, isn't that that young man Chi-Chi was going around with? You know, I heard he dyed his hair. Frosted tips or not, you know, whatever. And they just keep talking. But who are these people? Like, they seem to know Chi-Chi, but not Goku. Yeah, that's a great question. Are I'm... they Goku's great-grandparents? N- no, they're not related to Goku. Um, this... Oh, I meant related to Chi-Chi. they like Ox King's parents. Oh, um, I don't think so, but maybe... Google old people Chi-Chi. <laughs> old people Chi-Chi? Quick Googling seems to imply that it's not really anybody. It's just a random old couple that are probably friends with Chi-Chi. Uh, the best hypothesis I'm seeing from quick Googling is that they're just like Goku and Chi-Chi's neighbors. Oh, and apparently they show up in an episode with Oolong. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's no easy answer. If uh, somebody wants to figure out the answer to that and let us know, we would be happy to see because yeah that threw me off too it's just a random old couple I was like oh yeah that's that boy chi chi hangs out with uh which was kind of interesting the fact that they knew he mentioned he dyed his hair means that these are people that chi chi hangs out with somewhat regularly but which is also doesn't tell them like everything. either doesn't bother explaining everything when they misunderstand or just doesn't tell them everything yeah but it's still nice to know that chi chi has friendships outside of the z fighters yeah because really, as far as we could tell, Chi-Chi just sits around at home waiting for Goku or Gohan to come back. 
Yeah. So it's nice to know that she does have friendships outside of the show. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions for me? Nope, that's it. What about you? Um, do you know who you want to swap this week? Um, I think I'm going to swap Vegeta and Richard. Okay. The sad, distant dads. Who don't know what's going on. Who don't know what's going on. I feel like Richard would be less of an obstruction standing on a cliff doing nothing. That's true. Uh, you know, he would just tell Bulma he's going to go to the cliff and, you know, eat at this new restaurant that the Z Fighters told him about. And then he'd just come back sometime. And Bulma is way more ready to deal with that. Maybe I'll run into Mr. Satan there. You know, maybe I should be the one going out and meeting Mr. Satan. <laughs> maybe I should meet the Beatles or whoever. Um, and then at the no, same... No, 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 Yamcha, because he had that music single. <laughs> uh, and then meanwhile, Vegeta uh, would, wouldn't communicate better with no. Emily, but more. <laughs> more. And Why are you showing me these apples, Earth Woman? Well, because I thought they were nice. And they're new. <laughs> You, you, then at least Emily would get to explain. Yeah, that might actually go a little better. I would. I would love to. Have we? Have we never done a swap where we get to see Vegeta and Emily throw down? I'm sure we have at this point. We've got to. I'm sure we have at this point. We've done almost a hundred of these. Yeah. Uh, I want to swap. This is a little unconventional, but I want to swap Gohan and Emily. Okay. Because I think Emily, at her most absurd, aggressive Richard rage being put in the ring with Cell, she wouldn't necessarily defeat him, but she would certainly send him off balance. I feel like Cell would genuinely not know what to do with the I demand to see your manager attitude. He just wouldn't... No. He wouldn't, he wouldn't know what to do with that. He would be utterly flabbergasted by Emily's brand of fighting. He just wouldn't... He, she would be able to cow him into submission, at least temporarily. Uh, and then on the flip side, Gohan gets to go to the mall and eat at a food court with Lorelai and Rory and eat all different kinds of different yummy foods and like drink some Orange Julius and get to just eat all these different fun restaurants and stuff. And he just gets to like... And meanwhile, another swap that ends with Gohan just getting to be a child. Yes, Gohan would just get to be a child and window shop and like try on different outfits, and Lorelai and, and Rory would have so much fun dressing Gohan up in a bunch of cute little outfits. Well, and imagine Gohan explaining his Uncle Piccolo's clothes ray to them. Yes, they would love that. They would have a field day with that. And just generally him explaining the pressures that are put on him, I think Rory might uh, might empathize. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that'd be great. I just really want to see Gohan in, like still with the big cape with the big shoulder pads, just like getting to eat a corn dog on a stick well, would be adorable. And then at the end of the day, he's a good boy who wants to help. He could probably build that entire inn. Oh yeah. Like in an afternoon. Or at least at least like help. And he'd think it was fun. He would, getting to put stuff together. Like being able to use his strength to build something as opposed to destroy something. He'd be into it. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's my swap for this week. Fair enough. Uh so at with that, thank you all for listening. We would love to hear from you on social media. Our Facebook is Gilmore Ball Z. Our Twitter is at Gilmore Ball Z. Our email is GilmoreBallZ at gmail.com. And our WordPress is GilmoreBallZ.wordpress.com. Please feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whichever one of those is a thing. When are they going to change that? Soon? Soon. Uh, there, on Stitcher, on Facebook, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Drop us a rating. Leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. And with that, 
Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week with a special returning guest. So, how long will Goku have to sleep on the couch after this one? Who is Dean's Marvel vs. Capcom main? He strikes me as a Captain Commando Wolverine kind of guy. And is Paige prepared for what Cell will do with his appendage next? Ew. Find out next time on Gilmore Ball Z. (laughs) 